Welcome to the planting bed right outside the Project Botany facility. We're here to get a sample of the soil. Here the beds are constantly tended to and the plants are rotated throughout the beds to keep things interesting. We also have the irrigation system out here hooked up to the fertilization system we use in the Project Botany facility. There's also a team of gardeners that mulch and care for the beds. One of the first things you'll notice about the sample I've got here is how dark it is. If we take it back to the soil lab, we can take a closer look at what goes on in the soil and why it's so important for plants. On a macro scale, soil is not just the hard stuff you feel when you pick up a dirt clod. It's a whole ecosystem made up of water, air, organic matter, and mineral matter. There are even bugs, microbes, fungi, and a whole host of living organisms. If you take out the living things, you're left with four things. Water, air, organic matter, and mineral matter. If we take a closer look at the mineral matter, we'll find that it is made up of several sizes of particulates. The soil structure is made up of a percentage of three things, sand, silt, and clay. These are what make up the hard part of the soil and plays a key role in the life of a plant. Silt and clay's molecular structure is made up of layers of aluminum and silicon oxide that carry an electric charge. This is what attracts plant nutrients to the clay particles. Let's take a walk to the irrigation system and I'll show you how this whole process works. This is where all the magic happens. Fertilizer is the first key to the best plants possible. If you ever wonder why your plants are dying indoors or out, fertilizer is probably one of the first places you could look. The system of injectors and tanks is what makes the fertilization process possible. In this tank, we have a mixture for the arboretum. It's a higher dosage as trees take up a lot of fertilizer. The nutrients plants need come in two groups. The first is macronutrients. Plants need a lot of these. They are nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, sulfur, magnesium, carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. In the tanks we have set aside for the arboretum, we're providing mostly nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. The next group of nutrients are the micronutrients. These are needed in smaller dosages than the macros and are normally found in soils and don't need to be supplemented as often. In a greenhouse, though, we have to supplement them. They are iron, boron, chlorine, manganese, zinc, copper, molybdenum, and nickel. All of these nutrients are cations, meaning they have a positive charge and are attracted to clay and organic matter which have a negative charge. When we water the plants at Project Botany, the nutrients don't always go from the water directly to the plant. Most of the time, they are stored in the soil, where it gets attached to the clay in gaps formed by the molecular structure, or on the end of carbon chains and organic matter. The ability of a soil to store these nutrients is called cation exchange capacity, or CEC. Of the four particles we find in soil, organic matter has the highest CEC, meaning it has the greatest nutrient capacity, and sand has the worst. Clay's structure has more openings in the aluminum and silicon oxides, but what do plants do with all these elements? Why are they so important? Well, I've decided to split this tour into multiple parts, and this week, we're going to talk about the macronutrients. Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen are very important macronutrients, but we don't have to give them to the plant. In fact, plants will get all three from air and water. If we take a walk back to the arboretum, 
we can take a look at how plants get carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. It all starts in the air. It's made up of mostly nitrogen, carbon dioxide, and oxygen. Plants will take up CO2 from the air through little openings in the leaves called stoma. They open and close to allow water, vapor, and oxygen out and to take in more CO2. Oxygen and hydrogen is taken up through the roots in the form of water and some gaseous oxygen. These three elements are used to make sugars, the plant's energy source. Next is calcium. Most of the time, plants find all the calcium they need in the soil or in the water we give them. Calcium is crucial to the formation of cell walls. When plants are low in calcium, the points of growth, like leaf and root tips, become misshapen and deformed. Next is magnesium. Chlorophyll is a molecule that make up the base of how plants process light and water to create sugar. Magnesium is the central atom in that molecule, and when a plant is low on magnesium, the older leaves will start to yellow and the veins will stay green. The last three macronutrients are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, or NPK. Let's head back to the fertilizer injectors and we'll take a look at those. We have all of our fertilizers in large bags that are poured into the mixing tanks. Each of these bags have three large numbers written on them. They could say 20-20-20, or 15-20-15, or 20-10-10. These three numbers represent the percentage of N, P, and K by weight in the bag. We run tests on the plants we are growing to find out the perfect mixture of fertilizer we need to keep our plants healthy and alive. This is done by taking leaf samples from the crop. We took samples from a crop of Fafaria x ananasa, or strawberries. Let's dip back to the lab and take a look at the results. Here in the results, it says that the plants have the right amount of nitrogen and phosphorus, but not enough potassium. If we give these results back to our fertilizer tech, he can adjust the concentrations of potassium to make up for what was missing. But why take the time to do all this? What do plants do with N, P, and K anyway? If we take a look at a plant cell under a microscope, we see that it has mitochondria, nucleus, chlorophyll, and a cell wall. All of these have to be made of something, and nitrogen makes up parts of the amino acids, which are the building blocks of plant proteins. Plants then use these proteins to make chlorophyll and cell walls. When a plant is low on nitrogen, older leaves will start to turn yellow, and the plant will eventually wilt. Next, we have potassium. Remember the stoma we talked about earlier? Well, potassium is in charge of opening and closing the stoma. It's also used in the activation of growth hormones. So if a plant is lacking potassium, you'll see it as a stunting in the plant and the scorching of the edges of leaves. Last but not least is phosphorus. Phosphorus is also used in DNA and protein synthesis or in the creation of proteins, making it key to the formation of new tissue or the division of cells. This means that if a plant is low on phosphorus, it will also appear a little stunted. The leaves will also take on a darker hue. This is because phosphorus also aids in the transfer of energy, and if the plant isn't using up sugars or its energy, they build up in the plant, causing the pigment anthocyanin to also build up. Anthocyanin is a green-tinted pigment, and when it builds up, it gives leaves a darker hue. There are a lot more nutrients that plants use and we will visit them in another tour. But until then, here's a mnemonic to remember all the nutrients. It's made up of all the chemical symbols and takes a little deciphering. 
Here goes. C. Hopkins Cafe, managed by my cousins Mo and Claude. I'll post it in the show notes so it's easier to see. Now, as you're out and about in your daily life, don't forget to look around and see how nutrients are helping the plants grow around you, or how a lack of nutrients is causing problems for them. You'll never know what you'll find. Don't forget to stop by next week for another episode of Project Botany.